limitless love. Don't join hands with the devil. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abided in death. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John three fourteen and 15. When we think about the fact that God is love, what usually comes to mind is how kind and gracious he is. We think about how strong he is in everything that is wonderful and good. But sometimes we fail to consider that love, by its very nature, is totally opposed to that which is unloving. Love is a powerful enemy to all that's hateful and all that hurts or destroys. Even though we're God's dear children, if we start violating the law of love by treating others in hateful ways, we'll soon run into a side of love we'd rather not see. Ken tells the story about how God spoke to him in no uncertain terms a few years ago, letting him know just how serious in his sight a refusal to walk in love can be. Apparently, someone had done something wrong to Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth hadn't let it go, and the Lord rebuked him sternly. He said, you need to think about the way you've been acting towards that man. You need to realize that if you were God, he'd be in hell right now. You'll send him to hell by refusing to forgive him. That was a sobering thought for me when I heard it. It made me extra glad that God is God and we're not. But it also made me realize that when we take the side of hate and unforgiveness, we're taking the devil's side. We're joining hands with the dammer of mankind and agreeing with him. We're abandoning life and stepping into death. That's inexcusable in the sight of love. It doesn't matter what reason we have for it. Either the results are the same. Some time ago, I saw a woman on a television facing a murder of her husband. The trial was over and she was given an opportunity to speak face to face with the man who'd been convicted of the crime. My, how that woman tore into the man. I'll never forgive you, she said. You have stolen my husband. You have stolen my children's father and I hate you until the day I die. Later, the Holy Spirit said to me, that woman is as guilty as murder as he is. She committed it right there in the courtroom. When she yielded to hatred in the eyes of God, she killed him. You might think that's a little rough, and I'm certainly not judging that dear lady, but it does drive home the point. It's a sovereign reminder that love can't abide with hatred any at any time. For any reason, it's a strong incentive for us to walk continually in the light of love. Kenny Copeland, Limitless Love. Almost too good to be true. John 17, 20-23. Neither pray I for those alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. John seventeen twenty twenty three. Do you want to know just how much your Heavenly Father loves you? Truly, I can tell you in one sentence, He loves you just as much as He loves Jesus. Consider the shape most of us are in and how inferior our lives are to His. That's hard to believe, but it's still true. We know it because it came from the lips of Jesus Himself as He prayed for His disciples just before He went to the cross. He was in those last crucial moments that he spoke to the Father about us and said, You have loved them as you have loved me. Oh no, you might say, Jesus was talking about those first 12 disciples there. He wasn't referring to me. Yes, he was, he said himself, that he wasn't just praying for those who weren't present that day. He was praying for all who would come to believe on him, through their word, that includes you and me because of your track spiritual history. You'll see that every Christian today, either directly or indirectly, received the gospel through the ministry of those first 12 men. Say it out loud right now. The Father loves me just as much He loves Jesus. The Father loves me just as much He loves Jesus. That's outstanding when you think about it. In fact, if Jesus hadn't been the one who said it and it doesn't been recorded in the Bible, we would never be able to believe it. It would seem too good to be true. You still never need more evidence. God has that kind of love for you. Consider this. God must love us as much as he loves Jesus or he would have never sent him to die for us. If he loved us less, he would have spared Jesus left us in our sin, and John 3.16 would never have been written. It could have never been said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It's time we accept the full truth of that simple verse. It's time we stop thinking God just barely puts up with us and realize we're actually the great love of his heart. Amazing as it may seem, he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. So, so that's what we truly are, the beloved. A very personal thing. Our next one is Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and verses 3 and 5. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven, and he fell on the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutes. Acts 9, verse 1, 3, 4, and 5. The love of God has for us as his children and as members of the body of Christ is not only as powerful as the love he has for Jesus, it is just as personal in the mind of the heart of God where we are one with him. That makes us extremely precious 
We're not just little followers trailing along behind the master. We're an actual part of the master himself. We are, in a very, very way, Jesus' own body in the earth. Read the New Testament and you'll see that Jesus never separated himself from his church. He doesn't hold himself up in some great high place while keeping us way down somewhere under his feet. He doesn't make distinctions between us as individuals either. He doesn't consider someone who is invisible place of ministry to be more important than someone with a less visible role. No, even if I am the little toe of the body of Christ, I'm still as much a part of him as anyone else. Actually, all of us, regardless of whether we're eyes, ears, toes, or knees, are just as much as part of the body of Christ as Jesus himself. We're not as vital in our function, although it's painful. You can still get along if you lose a toe, but you can't get anywhere without your head. But we're still a part of him. That's why he spoke so personally to Saul on the road to Damascus. Notice he didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? He also said why he appeared to him and knocked him to the ground. Jesus didn't do that. And Saul, in order to save him, he never mentioned salvation to him that day. Jesus was putting a stop to the persecution of the church. Saul just had enough sense to get saved in the process. What Jesus did to Saul that day ought to thrill every believer because it clearly reveals how seriously protective Jesus is over each one of us who have made him our Lord. It shows that he meant business when he said, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of these least of my brethren, you have done it unto me, Matthew twenty-five forty. So when life gets tough and the devil starts telling you that God doesn't care, remind him of what Saul learned on the road to Damascus. Remind him that God's love for you is not just powerful. It is a very personal thing. The message that made the glory fall. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, 13 to 14, the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Second Chronicles five thirteen and 14. What a wonderful meeting we see described in these verses. It was the kind of meeting we all want today. The presence of the Lord was in such powerful manifestation that all the musicians and singers were working together as one. The glory of God was so thick, the priests couldn't even stand up to minister. They kept falling out on the floor, right in the midst of it, with the Spirit of God resting on every one. There the people spoke out and delivered the word of the Lord. They preached a message straight from the heart of God. They said, God is good and His mercy endures forever.
If you translate more fully the Hebrew word for mercy there, you'll find it means love and compassion. Love and compassion. So when these people were actually saved, was this, God is good and he loves us forever. You might not think that's a such just stupendous revelation, but God does again and again in the Old Testament when he manifests himself in that kind of awesome power and glory, that's the message he gave. God is good and his love endures forever. That's still the message for us today. The problem is we're often so busy looking for some newer, greater revelation that we can't hear it anymore. Especially if we've been saved a while and think we have wisdom. We can end up hunting for something where someone preaching something that hasn't been preached before. Give me something deep, we say. Teach me a truth that I don't know. All the while, the Lord is saying, okay, I'll tell you something you don't know. I love you with all the love that will last forever. Of course, we think we know that. It's the basic beginning revelation. But if we truly believed it, we'd be living a higher quality of life than we do. Fear will have no to- totally vanished from our lives. We'll be enjoying perfect union and communion with God 24 hours a day. Our fate will be soaring sky high in every area of life. The fact that we're not enjoying that kind of life tells me we still have a lot to learn about the love of God. We need to spend some time fellowship with Him around the message that always causes the glory to fall. Say with me, say this, The Lord is good and His love endures forever. The Lord is good and His love endures forever. One more time. The Lord is good and His love endures forever.